Bob Heiler of the Bankruptcy Law Success Podcast, where we introduce you to successful bankruptcy lawyers, as well as powerful ideas that can transform your bankruptcy practice. Today, I'm talking with Bob Weed, a bankruptcy attorney in Northern Virginia, who also happens to have been a client of mine for the last year. Bob, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Bob. Glad to be here. Bob, can you believe that we've been working together for over a year now? Well, it's it's been a learning experience for me the whole time. <laughs> you know, I was I looked at your LinkedIn before we started this episode and I realized that you've been at the bankruptcy law office of Robert Weed for almost 25 years now. Right. So, I I feel like I know you for the last 25 years, but what happened between law school and you starting the bankruptcy law office of Robert Weed? Like how, how did you get started in bankruptcy? Well, my first career was in Republican political consulting. Mm-hmm. I was state chairman of the College Republican Federation of Virginia out of uh, my last year at Washington and Lee and my first year at UVA Law. And Republican political stuff was the thing I was interested in. I uh, went to law school when there wasn't any political work going on to uh, fill the time and never during that period really ever intended to uh, practice law. So what were you thinking that you would use your law school degree for? Yeah. Well, I I was interested in going to law school. I just wasn't interested particularly in being a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Just something that people who are interested in politics and government, it made sense as a degree for that purpose. Mm -hmm. And then how did you get into the, the world of bankruptcy? Well... I actually, during a short period uh, right after I got out of law school, I did one year at the University of Virginia. And as I just said, my law school career was frequently interrupted. I ended up graduating from the University of Maryland and practiced law with a small law firm, one of the pioneers in legal advertising in Baltimore. And they made me their bankruptcy guy because... I had gotten the best grade in the class in uh, bankruptcy law. <laughs> now, the bankruptcy law that, that was taught in law school was high-dollar stuff, was corporate reorganizations and that kind of thing, which has essentially no overlap with either the bankruptcy law that that firm did or the law that I do now, which is uh, consumer bankruptcy law. But with that as my credential, and since they didn't have anybody, I became the bankruptcy law for uh, that firm, and I've been a bankruptcy expert ever since. Yeah. Did you live in Baltimore back in the day? Yeah. I, uh, As I mentioned, I did one year of law school at the University of Virginia and then Charlottesville. Uh, got sidetracked into political stuff. And then when I wanted to go back, that was how I ended up in Baltimore for that time period. Oh, okay. So what made you set up your own shingle in, in 1993? Yeah. Um, I mean, in in politics, although politics then was different than politics today, I think, Mm -hmm. but you're trying to hurt the other guy in a really personal way. (laughs) And I was exhausted with that. Mm -hmm. I also think I was part of that way. I did mostly Southern stuff. It was part of that wave that converted the solid South from Democratic to Republican. Mm -hmm. And I was considered a really mean guy starting because, at least in my own view, we told the truth. And by the time I got out of it, being mean seemed much more to involve lying. And I didn't really want to be good at that, Mm -hmm. which is a bridge back into bankruptcy law, which was certainly true then, less true since 2005. 
not that we lie, but um, bankruptcy law before the 2005 bankruptcy reform really said good things about America. Mm-hmm. I mean, it said that we are a party of a nation of second chances uh, and that if you come in and put your cards on the table, uh, your debts are going to be cleared and you can get on with your life. It really was uh, the 1978 bankruptcy law was really appealed to the important strand in America, I think, of uh, fair break for the underdog and second chances and being a place where the average guy, if you get knocked down, can get back up. Mm -hmm. And so I was interested in bankruptcy law for that reason. Mm -hmm. Secondly, I thought that bankruptcy law lent itself to advertising and people were more likely to brag about their divorce lawyer than their bankruptcy lawyer. Mm -hmm. And having had a first career in politics, I knew that I knew more about advertising than most lawyers did. And so I thought it would be an area that I could get into and build up a practice in a hurry. Absolutely. So you're in Baltimore. Did you move to Northern Virginia to start your practice so you wouldn't compete with your old firm, or what was the thought process? No, no, no. The the, the my Maryland time was temporary. Oh, okay. uh, Virginia's really been my home. Okay. And yeah, you told me that you got your first few bankruptcy clients by sending some direct mail. Can you talk about your experience with direct mail, maybe on the political side, and and how that evolved? Yeah, I had different associations, but I was involved with Carl Rove in several different ways over the years, mm-hmm. and. Carl's political specialty was direct mail. And so I was never a direct mail guy, but for a political generalist, I knew a lot about direct mail. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when I was trying to get first going, I sent one of my uh, staff over to the Fairfax County Courthouse, and we would manually pull out the files of people who were being sued by the credit card companies in Fairfax County, and we sent him a letter, mm-hmm. talked to him about bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. And, and that was that was very successful getting me going. Mm-hmm. The second medium that I used at that point, of course, everybody was dependent on the Yellow Pages, which only came out once a year. The second medium was a free newspaper around here and may have been in other places called the Thrifty Nickel, mm-hmm. which was a, uh, a free paper mostly with what do you call them, small classified ads. Mm-hmm. And it was the kind of paper that people, well, we thought lonely people would pick up in a coffee shop or a local restaurant Mm -hmm. and sit there with nothing else to do and flip through it. Mm -hmm. And those people were relatively good prospects for uh, bankruptcy, too. It was uh, very successful. And actually, some of my clients referred to it as that bankruptcy lawyer newspaper because there were so many bankruptcy lawyer ads in it. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, I got to say, I love direct mail. That's that's actually how we met. You responded to a piece of direct mail that I had sent you. Well, uh, that's right. And that direct mail piece and also the who would have thought print advertising had come back. But the Internet really has, has everything that you need to know about print advertising has come back with what you need to know uh, to advertise successfully on Google. And I immediately knew that you knew a whole lot more about that kind of thing than I did. (laughs) And again, for a political generalist, I was okay on that. For a lawyer, I knew a lot about advertising. Uh So before we ever worked together, I know you rode the bankruptcy boom during the mortgage meltdown, the Great Recession. So we've never talked about this, but did you end up working your fingers to the bone for a couple of years there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I'm i an usher at my church, and at that time we had a 
Saturday night service. I was uh, the head usher on the Saturday night service. The church was growing rapidly and enough that they slammed in a service on Saturday night. <laughs> and I would I would be in the office handling appointments all day on Saturday, you know, and and leave rushing at 5:30 in order to get to the church by 6:30 for the seven o'clock service and did that for years. Wow. Did you sleep at all or how did you how did you survive? Well, yeah, I mean we managed to uh, you know, handle it okay, but it was you know, I worked on Saturdays cuz there was a need. Yeah, totally. You know, one of the things that I've been really impressed by, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but you're so hands-on with every client. And why is that so important to you? How did you realize that that was an important thing? Well, you know, it's supposed to be part of being a lawyer. Mhm. Uh, some the, the legal ethics requirements, which besides being requirements are in fact sort of right, mm-hmm. is that you know there's supposed to be a relationship of trust between the client and the lawyer, mm-hmm. and you can't do that unless the client and the lawyer you know actually talk things over at sufficient length that both understand where the other one is coming from, and you agreed on a common you know in agreed together on a plan of action that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what lawyers are supposed to do. Yeah, but I mean, I think it's fair to say that you go above the legal requirements. I mean, I've been very impressed by how hands-on you are. And I was just wondering if, if that was just your upbringing or if something happened that made you just become more hands-on or what, what, what that was about. Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of that is my attitude, although the second thing that's shaped this a lot uh, in Northern Virginia, I'm in a very high income and very high cost of living area mm-hmm. in an otherwise low income, low cost of living state. Okay, not as bad as it once was when I first got into Virginia politics, when you know we were barely ahead of Alabama and Mississippi on various things, but still. Mm-hmm. The rest of the state is is low, and so under the bankruptcy reform, the income eligibilities statewide, the cutoffs on the means test are much lower than they are, say, in Maryland, uh, right across the river here. Oh, that's a great point. And and so, I'm dealing with a high percentage of people who are barely or not making enough to live in this area. Mm-hmm but who are over the median income mm-hmm. and figuring out how to qualify those people for Chapter 7 bankruptcy. Well, maybe more of that could be delegated to my staff than, than I do, but that really depends. I mean, you really need a lot of analytical power mm-hmm. to that job or you can't get it done. That's interesting. I, I, that might be one of the reasons that no, you don't really see bankruptcy mills so much in Northern Virginia because you just can't do it, like you said. You know, you you do see them in uh, Southern Virginia and the Southern states. You know, but um, right. But that's that's the that's fascinating. And if people do end up in thirteen again, unless you've really worked it, mm-hmm. I mean, thirteens fail most of the time, almost everywhere, but. Particularly here, unless you've really tried to get people to budget their expenses accurately, you're going to put them in 13s that they can't possibly do. Mm-hmm. Now, to some extent, that's unavoidable. But again, you want to, as far as possible, take the time to understand really where the money is going in a way that you can present it to the court mm-hmm. uh, to maybe make the Chapter 13 feasible or 
get them approved for a Chapter 7. Mm -hmm. So, Bob, you know, you're one of the few bankruptcy attorneys that regularly writes blog posts. I actually clicked back, and you've been blogging since 2010, which is pretty amazing. So I've never asked you this, but what inspired you to start blogging? Well, I think that blogging is important for SEO, mm -hmm. and that's part of the reason. The other is, although there are, there are only a few pages, but I try to have a blog on everything that I tell my cl different clients over and over or that uh, on every topic that many or most clients need some detail on mm -hmm. besides telling them I send them to the blog page mm -hmm. so they can read it they have it in front of them and they you know they can refer back to that they don't have to remember what I said mm -hmm. so you know it answers their questions then also you know to some extent it's important to you know protect yourself you know what you told people because here it is in writing <laughs> that's uh, a good point uh, so, some of the time it, it's also fun so uh when I, I blogged on the Supreme Court decision where uh, Justice Sotomayor, Mayor, who used to be a criminal defense lawyer, said that it's illegal to tell people to go out and buy a car, but it's legal to tell them that it's legal for them to go out and buy a car. Uh, I, I ended that blog post with, and you didn't read it here, <laughs> which is, is ironic since I have it posted out for all the world to read, but... Uh, I like writing and, and, you know, now and I like to be clear and sometimes I like to have a little fun on what I write too. Yeah, yeah. I think you got a lot of traffic uh, from those blog posts. One of the things that we discussed is right before we started working together in September of 2016, Google changed the way that it ranks bankruptcy lawyers so that the distance between the searcher and your office became the number one factor. So your Google traffic fell roughly in half. We didn't even realize that right away, but uh, that was that was pretty shocking to see. Well, you know, one of the way I'm set up, which I did originally when my main advertising medium was uh, the phone yellow pages, mm -hmm. was you know I have four locations in Northern Virginia, so you know nobody's almost nobody, mm -hmm. hardly any of the population of this whole division is more than 20 miles from one of my locations. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are within 20 miles of two of them. Mm -hmm. But so the other thing that fell off about that same time, which I've thought was more important than you do, mm -hmm. um, it I got I use as a rating service customer lobby, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm now up close to 700 five-star reviews at customer lobby mm -hmm. but for a long time period my customer lobby reviews my customer lobby stars would show up on all the blog posts mm -hmm. so if if a blog post came up it would it would show the five stars that represented then 500 uh, customer lobby five-star reviews and google Change the weight or the weight or whatever that they put on mm -hmm. customer lobby, and those stars went away. And I think that that was a big hit. Yeah. No, I mean just to be clear, I I absolutely think that's that's a big hit too. Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of started with it. We started working together in October, November of 2016, right after that September hit. We're, we've worked on a bunch of marketing projects together. I thought we might chat about some of them. So. Um, sure. Okay. So the main thing I do for you is to I run your Google AdWords campaign and I help you generate an average of 100 leads a month, you know, between 75, 125. 
that have cost around $35 a lead. So I don't, I don't want to lead the witness here, but you know, what effect have these leads had on your bankruptcy retainers? How's that worked out for you? Well, I'm bankruptcy lawyers everywhere in the country know that bankruptcies are falling, mm -hmm. and they're falling again in my service area worse than almost anywhere. We've got, I think, the unemployment rate in Northern Virginia is two percent, mm -hmm. um, and although again the cost of living here is high, so bankruptcies have been going down, 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 and we've been able to sustain the volume that we had before you came to us and we've crept back up a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think in some of the additional changes that we've made more recently that, that we're uh, moving back up a little more, but you know, in the face of a really terrible market situation, we've stayed afloat and, and we're gaining a little bit of ground. Yeah. And, and again, to go back to what I just said, we offset the loss that we took when Google took away the stars. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I think you were just alluding to the, to the quick form project that we just, that we just did. That yes. Was one of our most effective side projects that we've done. And just to, to lay it out for the audience, what we did is, is immediately after a prospect contacting Bob Weed's law office, we asked them to fill out a short quick form right away. And then once they fill that out, we schedule a free 20 minute phone consultation with the lawyer, Bob Weed, right after they do that. So, so how's, how's, how's that been, Bob? Yeah, let me, let me give you some history on that. I mean, under the old bankruptcy law, everybody's first appointment was with me. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, we knew that less than 50% of the people who made an initial appointment came in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I went over the, our forms, the information that we needed in order to get them approved with them and sent them away to come back with the rest of it. But everybody saw me on the front end. With the combination of bankruptcy reform and getting used to what we needed to get people approved uh, under the 2005 law, and then almost immediately after that, as volume started to pick up, we had the housing crisis. And so I pulled away that people had to fill in a lot of information and meet with the paralegal first and then come in to see me. And we did that for two reasons. One, to have enough information in front of us that I could talk intelligently. And second, on the front end of the crisis, our clients were high-functioning people. Mm -hmm. They were real estate flippers. They were real estate agents. They people people who worked in title companies. They were investors. They were high-functioning people who'd gotten hit by a turn in the market, but who continued to be high-functioning, and we could require them to be high-functioning in order to get to our system, and they did it. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, and those were great customers okay as we've now come through um you know we're we're in full uh, what economists call full employment most everywhere although wages still aren't going up very much and you know help wanted signs everywhere here mm -hmm. so that the the people we're seeing are mostly driven by medical problems or marriage breakups which in a lot of cases are medically driven or, you know, severe depression or otherwise lower functioning people. And of course, we're seeing them at a low functioning point in their lives. Yes. Too. They're not necessarily always low functioning people. But I stuck with that model, the model that was based on the high functioning people way too long. Mm -hmm. And you persuaded me to get out of it, uh, which I probably should have done several years ago. 
but now I do talk to everybody on the front end, not the way I used to when we took them through the whole thing, but enough to uh, assure them that they don't need to be afraid and that we're going to be able to help them. Mm-hmm. And and that's showing uh, every sign of, of leading into an upturn here where in the holiday period slowdown, which I'm sure most bankruptcy lawyers are familiar with too, but uh, again, we're doing much better than we did these months a year ago. And, and I think we're going to see a big upturn when we go into the new year. Yeah, I'm excited about that. So what percentage of your prospects actually pick up the phone when you call them for their scheduled phone consultation? Oh, it, it's nine out of 10. Really? It's still that high? It's nine out of 10. Yeah, I have a, only a very small number of the people who don't pick up. Awesome. Yeah, really is. And you're still doing that. It's the 20 minute phone consultation is 20 minutes enough to kind of do the call. Yeah, I do a 20 minute phone consultation. And then it, it probably take in most case in many cases, it takes me a full 10 minutes to type out a follow up memo where I summarize for them. And of course, for myself, what it is we talked about. Mm-hmm. So it takes the full half hour. We set them half an hour apart and it takes the full half hour. I'm scrambling to stay up with it. Okay. But after people talk to you, do you find that they're more eager to fill out your long form? Uh, yes. I mean, they say they're going to get right on it. They seem to be getting right on it. Mm-hmm. You know, we're still early in this. And, of course, we have introduced an additional step in our sales funnel. Yes, that's true. So the, the percentage response needs to jump up in order to uh, make up for the fact that uh, we've introduced another step. It seems to be, but we need to be watching it, you know, through the end of the year and into January where we'd be confident that, that this is working a lot better. Yeah. It's still early. We've only been doing this for almost two months. Right. I've run some preliminary numbers, and it looks like you're getting about a third more qualified leads. So those are people that you've spoken to and have filled out the long form. So that's really exciting. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, that's a big number. The other thing that the data really seems to show is that when you now you're warming up prospects with a, a phone consultation very early in the process. And so it seems like they're more excited. So they take much less time to become a retained client than if you didn't warm them up. So is that your sense as well? That's what the numbers seem to be saying. Yeah, I'm definitely seeing that on a lot of people. Yesterday, I had a drop in who became a uh, retained client. I had a a guy who's uh, in a blue collar business, a uh, blue collar occupation, uh, being paid fairly well for that kind of thing. So he must be good at what he does, working at a at a warehouse. But he came in with a family member, I think a sister, mm-hmm. and he just dropped in. He said, uh, "You know, I know I'm supposed to have done this form, and I'm not sure I could figure it out, but we want to get going." And so as a backup, I gave him the old manual form, you know, printed out the form that you fill in with a pencil. Mm -hmm. And I had a a hole in my schedule at three o'clock and he and the sister came back with uh, everything they were supposed to have at three o'clock and my initial retainer payment, 700 bucks. So he wanted to get on it. He wanted to get on it and, and knew that. He was, for whatever reason, having a little trouble with the internet version of the form, but he, you know, so he came, you know, just barged in. <laughs> what can we do to move this along? Well, that's great. But, you know, I think one of the things that can happen is that Bob Weed is a very established lawyer in Northern Virginia, and he's getting referrals 
So when you're in a situation where you're getting lots of referrals, where someone has told that, that prospect, Bob Weed is amazing. He's the best bankruptcy lawyer in the world. Those people are kind of more eager to fill out a long form. But when you get a lead over the internet, you really need to kind of warm them up. And so that's why I really like this 20-minute phone consultation and then you send them uh, a memo. I think that's really powerful because that really warms up the internet lead and makes them more like a referral lead. I don't know. Is that, is that something you, you, you're you seeing as well? Or? Yeah, that that makes sense to me. And, and I've been doing this for two months. I'm trying to adjust a little bit. It's easy. Well, I need to watch out for making people too comfortable. You know, if if you say, uh, you don't need to be scared, we can fix this problem, it's going to be fine. Mm. You don't want to overemphasize that part of it and get, get people to say, <laughs> I'm going to be in good hands, this is fine, and I'll get to it, you know, Thursday next week after I walk the dog or whatever, mm-hmm. and they don't get to it. So I need to strike the right tone. So I'm saying it's it's going to be fine, but at the same time, you know, you've put this off too long and these problems are only going to get worse. So let's see if we can get right on it. Mm-hmm. Well, that takes us to our to your long kind of 37-page form. That used to be a PDF form. And then one of the harder projects that we did together was convert that into an electronic web form right. that people could fill out on their on their mobile phones. That was a lot of work. It seemed to have long-term benefits. But I don't know. Do you have any, any thoughts on that on that project? Well, I mean, the the great thing about it is, you know, we now know when people have opened the form and also when they submit it, one of my people takes a look at it and if they submit it and they've only answered the first third and then they've just clicked it on through, mm-hmm. we're not tying ourselves up with a paralegal appointment for somebody who really hasn't taken it seriously yet. We can say, oh, you know, you did great on the first third, but we'll give you an appointment when you come back and fill in the rest of it too. Mm-hmm. A problem we used to have that we now don't is, you know, besides the people who make an appointment and don't come in are the people who say, yep, I know what I'm supposed to bring. I've got everything. And then they come in with nothing filled in at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm sure bankruptcy lawyers are familiar with that problem too. And having an electronic form so we can see what they filled in mm-hmm. before we make an appointment, we, we get rid of that problem. Well, I think you also, you, you, you kind of s- skimmed over this, but this idea of like people, when people ghost, when prospects ghost you for an appointment, a, a common reason is that they're embarrassed that they didn't fill out your long form because it's 37 pages. And then, right. so then they don't show up for the appointment and then they're embarrassed and they can never kind of talk to you again, or they feel like they feel that way. Right. And, and it's a, yeah. you know, when leads can be so valuable, that's a very expensive kind of hole in your sales funnel. So I think actually canceling, uh, I know your administrative assistant cancels appointments for people if they haven't filled out the form, but I actually think that that improves, it's, it's counterintuitive, but that's actually improving the number of, of, of appointments where people show up because people aren't embarrassed and ghosting you. Is that? What you, right, right, right. Yeah. And if we set an expectation you know, this is, we're taking this seriously and you take it seriously. I mean, if we let them know that they need to take it seriously, it lets them know that we're taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, people are embarrassed enough to be thinking about bankruptcy. I try to reassure them that they shouldn't be, but people are embarrassed enough. And then if they're on top of that embarrassed that they've 
you know, haven't followed through on a commitment that they've made, then, you know, you, it's not just that when they start over with somebody else, they just don't start over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also think that it's a big benefit that the electronic form, and we use Cognito forms, but that electronic form can actually be filled out on a mobile phone instead of, you know, a PDF form. You know, it's it looks small. I don't even know if you can fill out a PDF form on a on a phone but it seems like it's a lot easier yes yes okay well so we're winding up here you know we've been working together for a year now you're my favorite client in that you you try the the some of the crazy ideas you try every crazy idea well not every crazy idea but almost every crazy idea what advice would you give to another bankruptcy lawyer about their online marketing given what you've learned over the last year us working together well, I've said several times that having come out of a political background, I knew a lot more about advertising than most people who come to the law. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I've needed and what I have with you is a guy who knows a whole lot more than me. And lawyers who are trying to uh, manage their own advertising campaign are not going to do it very well. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there are a lot of people out there who charge a high fee and who are not particularly good. Mm -hmm. So you, you, you need to rely on, you need to find somebody who's really good and then you need to rely on, Mm -hmm. Uh, but also stay involved. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, just for the record, like I don't, tell you what to do we we talk about every change in an ad or every change in a landing page or adding a new keyword and then yeah so i don't attempt to micromanage you because you're better than i am but i do need to know what's going on and i often have valuable insights that i contribute yeah yeah yeah, absolutely yeah i feel there's a good give and take so i'm very happy about that yeah okay well i know you're slammed with appointments these days so thanks for taking the time bob to hop on the phone here All right. Well, thank you for having me. I hope uh, that this is helpful to colleagues around the country. Okay. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Bob. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye.